and I saw what a nice word on Pasha's Bullock from the Imre Pinchas, from the Bichel Karatza. He says, Badeira Chalutza, right? That's a, a vertel. Bullock was telling Bilam, Kabed Achabed Chumoid. When he was trying to tempt him to come, he was saying, I'll give you a lot of honor. He kept on using those words about being Mechaber him. Bilam answered, Immediately Bullock, Maloid Baiser, case of Azuov. Even if, even if Bullock's going to give me a lot of gold and silver, I can't do anything other than Hashem. Hey, where did the gold and silver come in? He's telling me he's going to give you a lot of honor, and you're telling him gold and silver. And he explains that this was really the, the subconscious, um, um, subtle debate over here. Who's going to give who what? Bullock was saying, you come, and I'll give you a lot of honor. I'm not paying you so fast. And Bilam was trying to hint him, oh, you should be paying me a lot. That's what, I don't need you to honor me. You just make sure you're paying me. And basically, they were both aware of what the other one was really offering, or what the other one was really needing, and they were both resisting giving what someone else would have wanted to get. Which brings to mind, right? I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone's guessing by now, uh, what I talk about often, people talk about the love languages, and different people have different ways of wanting to give and get you know, what's important to them. Um, and as I mentioned often, it's so important to try to understand the other person. Whether you're the one giving or the one getting, try to understand the other person. When you're giving someone, try to understand what, what it is that they want to get from you and what's important to them, instead of saying, well, I'm giving, well, I'm giving, instead of pointing out, I'm doing so much. And the other way around as well, when somebody's giving you, instead of saying, that's not what I need, try to figure out what is it the person is giving, what could you respect about it, what could you appreciate about it, what could you, what could you detect from it, what does it imply about the other person's intentions, instead of getting stuck on, but that's not what I need. And that's just a very... Uh, and in general, the idea of trying to figure out how somebody else is seeing the same situation as you when it comes to a relationship is, is so important. Um, you know, so, so often we see things and we're so convinced about how we see things and, and we, can't, we can't properly express or even figure what is the other person seeing. And a lot of times when I talk to people, I ask them, what would your wife say about this? Or how does she see it? And, no, she doesn't. I, I don't even know. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I can't figure it out. And what you're basically telling me is that you really can't see it other than, other than the way you're seeing it, but it can't be she's seeing the same thing. Does it make sense? Does she really think that she's being so nasty to you? It doesn't sound like it. So what is she saying? Why is it? Etc. Now, of course, some people, when they, when they try to describe or express what someone else is thinking, they'll do it in a very cynical way, a very sarcastic way. Yeah, she thinks that it's okay to be nasty because she was pregnant two years ago. It sounds cute, but, but if, you, if you can't express it in a, in a normal way, an intelligent way, then you're probably not understanding what she's really feeling. I'm not justifying what she's feeling. I'm not even saying that there are two ways of seeing it. I'm saying that at the end of the day, there are two people here and they're probably not seeing the same thing. And if somebody could pick up on what someone else is thinking or seeing or trying to express or understanding or hearing, a lot of times it just gives perspective. It makes it easier for us to get along and understand each other better and interpret things um, correctly. So let me read a question that came in quite a while back. I just listened to your class Okay, this is a class from last summer, actually, about a woman who complained that her husband is wasting his nights on his phone. Thank you for your answer, and thank you for your platform in general. Very inspiring. Okay, thank you. I'm in a similar situation. We're Baruch Hashem married for a number of years, and we have a good life together, Baruch Hashem. My husband is a caring, smart, generous, and enjoyable individual. He makes sure to give me whatever I need with a smile, whether it's money, time, advice, company, and everything else. He's successful at work, Baruch Hashem, and comes home for an hour in the afternoon before going back out to learn. From there, going back to the office to take care of and finish up calls and prepare the next day for his employees, and then comes back late at night. This leaves us with a limited amount of time together, especially with the few children at home that want his attention. My issue is that he's always answering phones and voice notes. My concern is how it affects the children. 
they basically see that they are not as important to him. I can watch my children talking to him about their day or whatever it is, and my husband's nodding to the child while answering a text or being on his phone. It hurts me very much to see this. He does help me with getting the kids ready for bed, which I'm grateful for, but he sits there and scrolls on his phone while the kids are basically getting undressed or dressed or bathed and trying to get their father's attention. How does this affect the children? What role model do they see? It's hard for me to be respectful when I'm seeing my husband behave this way. We've discussed this many times, and often I end up just screaming at him. And now that I heard your answer about it not working, I, and, and if something doesn't work that you should just stop it, I accept that, but I'm still worried about the kid's future. I understand he needs his time to recharge after a day of work. We try discussing different options about how to do that, but it doesn't work. I feel like a broken record telling him time and again that the kids need his attention, especially because they only see him for about an hour a day. An hour a day. How do I deal with my concern that the kids feel that they are not as important to their father or in general that they see a role model who is very much into his phone? Thank you so much. Um, let me just mention, because I'm, I'm very often asked to change details, if not it might become obvious who this is coming from. I obviously change anything that's identifying, you can be sure. Um, if I would have felt there's anything that I had to change, and I've said this before, I would have changed the gender, I would have made believe it's a husband complaining about a wife and things like that. Um, but I didn't for two reasons. One, because there's nothing identifying about this. I've read such letters in the past and, and I hear it from people all the time. And if anyone out there is suspecting that his wife wrote this and, and either getting upset about it or defensive about it or just feeling intimidated or uncomfortable about it, should know that you're in good company. Good, I'm not saying good. You're in, you're in a good amount of company, let me call it. Whether, you write, whether your wife did or didn't write this is definitely something to think about, but don't assume that she did um, when many people are, are feeling the same way. I also specifically didn't want to change the genders, which I do sometimes when I read a question, because I think it would it would change a little of the implication, meaning I hope this won't be taken wrong. I'm not going to justify any more a man on his phone than a woman on her phone. That's not my point. But sometimes it could, I don't know, sometimes a man could be using his phone business-related, which could be as big a problem if it's on the if it's on the cheshven and the expense of the children with their chinuch and everything else, I'm saying that sometimes there's some of it that could be justified, as opposed to a woman who's just watching a movie or reading some someone's status and, and playing around. I hope that won't be taken wrong. I'm not justifying or being critical of one more than the other. I'm just pointing out that it, it could be somewhat different, and that's why I decided to address it the way it is, the way it's mentioned over here. But again, anyone who 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 feels or thinks that it might be their wife that's writing this. Instead of trying to figure out doing detective work of what was or wasn't, um, you could be sure that um, if your wife could have wrote it, that's enough reason for you to listen to what I might try to discuss about it. And, and it's not necessarily so, because many people could have written the same thing. So let me address the questioner. Right? I think I already addressed the husband. Let me address the questioner. Just understanding the issue over here. Before talking about the issue that's bothering you, I, I can't not mention, and it happens to be something I mentioned in the Yiddish share this week as well, in a different context totally about parents, um, don't take for granted what you're mentioning here. So often people get so much and then notice what they're not getting, which again, it's human nature to pick up on the things that are bothering you. When you have a headache, you don't realize that you have another 240-some limbs that are feeling fine. Your head's hurting and that's what's bothering you. That's what you're going to tell everyone that day. And it's normal. You have a splinter as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're getting a lot. I don't want to say that you should feel good that your situation isn't worse, because that's not the point. My point is not that your uncle has it worse off than you. 
or that your neighbor um, has it better off than you. That's not the point. The point is not to compare to what it could have been. The point is not to take for granted the good that there is. If, if, if your spouse is doing so much for you, and again, just to, just to mention, you know, being, being caring, smart, generous, enjoyable, and giving a smile, money, time, advice, and company, and helping with kids, that's not to be taken for granted. Making a living and going out to learn every day is not either to be taken for granted. Now, I'm not saying that you do take it for granted. You sound like you have a wonderful marriage and you're probably expressing a lot of appreciation and respect for it. I'm just mentioning, especially because you threw in the words about how can I respect this and how much it's bothering you. Please remember that you're getting a whole lot. You're getting a whole lot. There are very many people who would be jealous of you, which again, that's not the point. The point is just to mention that the fact that there are people that could be jealous of you means that you're getting a real lot. That's not a given. It shouldn't be taken for granted and you should be very, very appreciative for So even though it's very normal to notice the other things, um, there's a lot to appreciate here and a lot to be respectful about. In general, a woman, a wife, should always be respectful of her husband, not only in the way she behaves, which is a technical thing, you have to honor your husband, even if you don't respect him at all, but you should respect him, you should respect him and see him as the king and see him as, uh, you know, and have a respectful attitude, which definitely also does a lot for everyone, for you, for him, and for everyone. But going back to what you mentioned, you you. you I don't want to trivialize what's bothering you. This is a big issue. And any man out there who heard this should know this is very concerning. It's very nabatamt. It's very nagashmak. And no woman or children want to be busy or, or around somebody who's always on his phone. I've told you clearly. When people come to me and sit in my office and talk to me and they're on their phone, it's disturbing. But they're paying me and they're leaving after an hour and it's okay. You want to be busy with your phone instead of talking to me, that's fine too. But it's not, it's not okay. It's not, it's not polite. It's not, it's not enjoyable. It's not pleasant. It's definitely... A problem, especially when you're talking about being mechanic children that way. But at the same time, this, this is the part that I want to point out before, before we go into anything further, that compartmentalizing what's bothering you. Very often, people are bothered by something, either because they're not clear themselves about what it is that's bothering them, and that's why they touch upon a bunch of different things that are bothering them, or because it makes their case stronger when they mention a bunch of different aspects of a problem. So now it's a much bigger problem. It's not just that. It's this and that and this and that. And now I'm already... Forget about the word victim, but I'm already much more um, credible. Right? I have much more reason to be upset. But that usually just um, resists finding a solution. Very often, it's a big problem that people have. Right? Um, we're going to the country for the summer. I don't want to go to the country for the summer because of the weather and the bungalow and this and that. By the time somebody has too many problems, you can't even help them anymore. It's remind, coming to mind now, the boy that came to me once, and I heard that he's not happy in, in Haider, he's not happy in... in, in you know, with, with, with what's going on during the day, he's very, he's very sad. He doesn't want to go to Chayyim. He comes home sad. Whatever. I have to figure out what what world it is. What's bothering him? Okay, so I'm sitting with this boy. I, I don't like sitting with younger boys for quite a few reasons. One of them is that they're often not aware, they're not in touch with what's really bothering them. Um, but I remember I was trying to get some words out of him. I say, "What's bothering you?" I, I hear something about Chayyim is bothering you. Yeah, you want to know what it is? A lot of things. I said, "What, what could it be? What's it coming from?" I wasn't getting a straight answer. So I use one of my questions that I use sometimes to get people to figure things out. I said, if I can give you a magic button, you can put it anywhere. You can put this magic button anywhere in the Chayda, anywhere, you know, anything. And you can press that magic button, something's going to change. What's the first thing you want to use it on? He thinks for a second. He tells me, one's not enough. One button's not enough. Okay, at least we're getting somewhere. I say, you know what, I'll give you four buttons. You could put four magic buttons, whatever you want. What are you going to change? And without a blink, he tells me, the staff the kids, the schedule, and the building. And I thought that was very creative for a little kid to, to articulate so quickly. But in other words, what he was saying is that everything's bothering me. 
So often we do the same thing now with a kid, it's cute, with an adult who's saying, everything's bothering me. In other words, you can't help me. You can't help me. What, what are you going to help me? Whatever you can do, I'll tell you something else is bothering me. And we don't realize where we limit ourselves and we don't, we don't let ourselves be helped when we have that attitude of, I have a lot of problems over here. So again, I don't mean to be critical at all. I just want to point out, when your husband's busy with a phone and it's bothering you the effect that it has on the children and what kind of role model are they seeing and I can't respect him now and I'm getting frustrated that nothing's working and I'm getting resentful towards him, that, that's five issues. Now, of course, if he throws his phone in the garbage, he might solve all five. In other words, you might have one solution that will technically take care of all five problems. But without that one solution that you're aiming for, right? Uh, I don't know if you could be helped at all. Which means if you had only one problem, one of those five, or you really were in touch with which one's bothering you most, let's call it, it, it might just help. So I think it's, it's, just, it's just important to, to think about that. Because sometimes when we lump it all together, it just becomes very unresolvable, right? Aside from those, let me mention also, you might be bothered by the fact that there's a different opinion about you uh, than you about the children and a different uh, standard or principle. But by the time you lump everything all together, there's just there's so many issues that are very hard to... Um, if you don't break them down, you know, you don't, it, it's, it's hard to focus on anything. I will mention, just to slowly um, filter through, like I said before, the part that you say you can't respect them, it might be hard to respect someone. It might be hard to respect anyone. And any wife might have a difficulty respecting someone just because he's not as intelligent or good-looking as I would have wanted and it makes it hard to respect. It's important to remember that the respect issue is an issue of its own and you should be respectful of your husband regardless. Okay? I'm not putting it on the side. I'm just saying that's, that's a topic to be discussed and addressed separately, independently of how he behaves with his phone or not. Um, role modeling. Is he a good role model to your children? In some sense, it might not be your business. I don't think people like to hear that, but you, you have to be the best role model you could be. You're not here to make sure that someone else is a good role model in, in general. And, and, and different things like that. And the fact that there's a different opinion or standard than you, that's, that's to be expected and that's fine. You're not here to control or, or, uh, or, or educate your spouse. Remember that too. When you start filtering through, you start realizing that a lot of these things that are bothering you, which might be very normal, a lot of people are bothered by them, you know, you're limited to how much you should or could uh, do something about them or even care about them in some in some sense. So with all that said, um, and like I said, it's, it's harder to get anywhere without breaking it down, but with all that said, the answer to so many issues is communication, healthy communication. Uh, but before the communication, before actually communicating what it is or, or, or how you're going to communicate what bothers you, there's so much about the attitude in a relationship. In other words, you could be the best communicator, but if the, but if the attitude in the relationship is not one of respect, and admiration and appreciation, which it could be, it is. I have no idea anything more than I read. Um, but in general, in general, what does your husband feel? How does he feel about you and about how you feel about him? Something I mentioned in my book. If I would ask him, not you, how does your wife feel about you? Does she respect you and appreciate you and see all the good you give and not take for granted all the things that you provide, etc., etc., etc.? Even if you're going to tell me that you really do, but if he doesn't feel that yet, so a lot of it has to do with that. So sometimes people say, what do you mean? But I tell him thank you for everything. It could, it could be you're doing a wonderful job, like we started off with. How about thinking about how he sees it, and it might just enlighten you to understand things better, understand what you could do better, understand how you could win him over better, and how, how you could get him to take you more seriously when you do communicate something. So a lot of the background, a lot of the backdrop uh, is so relevant when it comes to communicating. The next point about communication that I would say is similar to what you quoted me as saying, that if something doesn't work, you try something else. 
Thomas Edison said when he was busy with his inventions, right? When he failed a thousand times, he didn't fail. He figured out a thousand ways that didn't work. It's very frustrating when somebody tries a bunch of different ways and they don't work, but at least you're collecting data about what doesn't work. Maybe you tried communicating at the wrong time. Maybe you said it in the wrong way. Maybe you said it in front of the kids. Maybe you said it when he was too busy. Maybe you said it when he was trying to improve. Maybe you said it when he thought things were better. Maybe you said it when he was just in a bad mood. There's so much about that that you have to take into consideration. Get your data right. Maybe you said it in a way that sounded controlling or, or condescending or critical or I don't know what. So that's definitely something that I think you could um, um, figure out on your own when you start comparing your notes, if you have them. Maybe it's Kadai to start taking them. Figuring out what did work, what didn't work, how did it work, why did it work, how long did it work, what could have helped it work further, etc. Don't fall into the mistake that people make. I don't want to say women make because then people get upset. But uh, the mistake of, if I don't scream, it doesn't happen. If I won't holler, nothing's going to get done. It's not a reason to scream or to holler. The fact that you couldn't come up with a better way to get something done does not mean that that's the way to do it, even if you're getting very, very frustrated. So many people justify the, the whether it's nastiness or, or screaming or whatever it is, because that's the only thing that works. If, if that's the only thing that works, don't do it. Don't do it. You, you, you want to be nice, you want to be respectful. And there's so much to respect. You say it's hard to respect. There's so much to respect when you're talking about a guy who's providing what your husband's providing and doing what your husband's doing. Not a question. I read a story recently, again, I think I mentioned it once, I don't, I don't know which, which shir I mentioned it in Kanan Hara, I say quite a few shir in a week. Um, but basically it was a husband, it was a, a younger man who was taken as a husband, assuming that he was a big Talmud Chochem and he was sitting and learn and whatever. And right after the Shevra told his wife, listen, the game is over. He said, what game? I played a game till now, that I'm a diligent learner and a serious guy, and really I'm none of that. I'm not going anywhere. That's the, that, it's all over. Like, so where do we go from here? We don't go anywhere. I'm staying home, in bed, that's it. I'm not davening, I'm not learning. And she, the story goes that she got some advice from somebody who helped her understand what to do, because I don't think somebody would understand on her own, you know, something that disappointing or, or challenging or surprising. And she started treating her husband as if he's the good Lador. He's the, the greatest sage. When people would call on the phone, and he was still in bed from the morning, it was already in the middle of the day, she said, the, the, the roof can't talk now. No, the rabbi's sleeping. Um, she would go make a living. She, she earned all the money because he wasn't doing anything. And she always had the attitude and she was expressing that she's earning money so he could sit and learn. And she was respecting him as if. And this went on for a while. And after quite a while, it took time, uh, when, when there was already kids at home or whatever it was and, and her paycheck wasn't covering, that's when he realized, you know, I think I really should start going to Koil or finding, or, find, or finding a job. And the story goes that he, he went to sit and learn and get money for it because he wanted to help out. Again, it, it sounds like a fairy tale and maybe part of it is from fantasy land. Um, but the idea that when you're very respectful of someone, it makes them feel good, it makes them take you more seriously, and it makes them live up to the standard that you're respecting them for, is something that I think we all know to be true. And when somebody looks at a husband and says, how can I respect you? It definitely kills a lot of the attitude, the relationship, and the the level that somebody will take you serious about. That That's also um, a given. Another thing about communication, when you're talking about something bothering you, it sounds like you've communicated based on what you're writing. I'm not going to start nitpicking between the lines, but I, but I, I definitely read it between the lines that you're communicating to him about how the kids need a father and it's not right, they don't see you enough and whatever. Don't do that. First of all, it's critical. You, you, and second of all, you're, you're arguing with somebody because people get defensive and try to explain how they see it differently and that's why they're going to justify what they, what they do. That's usually how it is. No, mo, many, most people won't say, you're right, they need a father, it's so not nice of me to do this when they're here. Then why are you doing it in the first place? Most people will automatically, subconsciously, 
naturally get defensive and explain, well, it's okay, it's not okay, they know, they don't know, or it's not, it's not so, it doesn't matter so much, they're still young, whatever it is. Why would you debate and why would you argue with somebody in principle if you could talk about your own feelings? When you say it would mean so much to me, not I can handle, I can't tolerate that, that's also, that's critical, negative and, and confrontational, challenging, it doesn't sound right, nobody appreciates that. But when you say I, it would mean so much to me if you do it this way, and you're brave enough to add, it could be the way you're doing it is fine. For all I know, the kids love you and respect you. They don't even care. They, they, just the fact that you're near them is everything to them, just like it is to me, by the way. Um, and you make someone feel good. And you say, I know you don't mean it. I know you need to unwind. And it's not even practical, maybe, to ask you to just put away the phone for the full time. But, when you, but without the word but, you, you're adding how much it would mean to you if somebody does something a certain way, and you're very respectful about it, and you're not nagging about it, or saying it at the wrong time, or in the wrong tone of voice or comparing yourself and showing how you're doing everything better, on the contrary, you're able to include yourself in the, in the critical attitude of, you know, I also, I, I also feel I don't give them enough, and you know, I'm, I'm trying, it's not easy for me either, maybe we could work on it together even sometimes. Whatever it is that you're going to say, but it can be taken in a way that makes someone feel good and not put down, you'll probably be getting a lot further, a lot further. In general, when people talk about their own feelings, they're more believed, they're more credible than saying, this is how it should be. Or why are you? It's not about you, it's not about the idea. It's about me and how I feel. And you can add, I could be wrong, I could be misinterpreting, I could be mistaken, I could be extreme, I could be whatever. And, and, and it still means so much to me. If you can take me seriously, I'll appreciate it so much. And you let someone do it on their own. And sometimes in a conversation, also, just another tactic, let's call it, when you ask him about how he feels about his connection with the kids, and maybe, maybe pick up on where he feels that he should be doing things differently, and let him do things on his terms, how he feels it would be better instead of doing it the way you want, that also can make it so much easier for someone. So these are just tips how to communicate something in a healthy way instead of the ways you've been doing in the past. Unless you're going to tell me you tried all these ways, if you tried all these ways, then don't try them again. But I think this is something that could definitely help you. And one thing that I also mention very often is about appreciating any progress. Any progress. It got a little better, don't say, that's not what I mean, or you don't realize you're missing the boat, that's not the point, it's not that this. If you do it this way, it's killing the other thing. Any progress that somebody makes, any 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 amount that somebody takes you seriously, say thank you and say how much it means to you. You don't have to make believe it's all good. You don't have to make believe it's all no good. Just be thankful and notice it. It usually makes things better. Don't fall into the mistake of, well, if I say it's good, it's not going to get any better than that. It might not, but it might, yes. And it's probably the best way that it could, could improve and at least last the changes. Um, I like always ending with the few, um, um, you know, tying the loose ends. One thing I, I want to mention before before finishing. Um, sometimes we get stuck on something bothering us, and aside from not noticing all the good, and aside from harping on the issue, and aside from turning it into a federal case, and all those things that I tried mentioning before, you know that that shouldn't be. Sometimes, sometimes, and this is a very um, um, delicate um, tip that I'm going to say now. Sometimes just give up. Sometimes just give up. Sometimes something terrible is happening, something, something that you really can't handle, something that really shouldn't happen, something that really is um, having bad uh, repercussions and causing damage. But it's still isolated. It's still only what it is. And it hasn't been changing. Whatever you try didn't change it. Sometimes it's good to just give up. Aside from the fact that sometimes when you give up and accept something, that's what ends up making a change. But I mean to say that sometimes by harping on it, even if it's not turning into the focus of your attention... The fact that you still want it to happen, it, it, it does something to you and does something to the relationship. And sometimes giving up on it or just accepting the fact that it's not very terrible, which means, again, I don't want to go into the, to the, to the example given, but as long as your husband is using his devices somewhat responsibly, let's call it, not showing your kids things they shouldn't see, things like that, 
you feel that he's abusing it, but he, but it's not causing specific damage that you can't allow to happen, let's call it. It's something you don't want should happen. Sometimes it's best to just give up. You know, I, I repeated this in the Bukhram Shir this week, um, and it's something I heard from Agar Sayyid. There was a, a Bukhari Gaman that kept on complaining about a certain um, a certain area, a certain topic in Avod Hashem that he was struggling with. And he kept on getting chizik from this tzaddik Rebbe to keep on trying this thing, that thing. Over over course, don't, don't give up, look for ISIS, you'll make it work. Again, we're not talking about a, a, an avaira that he was doing, we're not talking about something he wasn't allowed to do, but we're talking about something that was pretty important. And after a while, it was, it was interesting, because it, was, it wasn't the attitude that I would have expected to hear from a, a Rebbe, after a while, that he kept on complaining, saying, listen, I tried this, it didn't work, I tried that, it didn't work, what do I do now? And somebody said, you know what you do now? You give up. Just give up. Put this on the side. Make peace with the fact that you were not able to accomplish this union. Work on everything else for the meantime, and maybe one day. I thought it was brilliant, because the, what, it, what it was doing to this person, the fact that he wasn't able to overcome this thing, which was relatively simple, I'm not talking about something of Nasrathal or key at all, but it was, it was knocking him, it was putting him down, it, it wasn't doing good for him. And it was the best thing for him to say, you know what, for now, put it on the side. And sometimes that's what you do in a relationship as well. Something's bothering you and bothering you and bothering you. You could try, and I'll give you a lot of advice that might work, and you could try that too. But at some point, you put it on the side, say, it is what it is. No, a husband who's on his phone all the time is not the best role model, and not the easiest to respect, and not someone making the kids feeling best, and it's all true. And you know what? Sometimes by just accepting it, you let it roll, and everything else just becomes better. That's also something very important to understand. Now, I do want to end off by saying to all the fathers and the mothers and whoever's writing this and whoever's being written about, this is an issue. It's not only an issue and bias issue. It's an issue. So we all have to work on giving more attention to our children and sending what they need based on their needs, what we started off with. And I was tying that in in two ways. Uh, Bullock and Bilam, they were each thinking about what they need and not understanding what the other person needs. We want to parent our children in a way that the, the children need it instead of justifying what we do. We want to treat a spouse and communicate with a spouse in the way that they will take it well and the way that they want it. These are all things that we should all be taking care of. I can't end without mentioning an idea that I talk about often, and that's not mixing shulun bias and chenach. So often a chenach problem, right? We're struggling with a kid, he's not doing well in chayder, whatever, and we have a different approach, and it becomes a full-blown shulun bias problem because we can't get along about how to deal with the chenach problem instead of joining and uniting Against the problem, the problem becomes between us and now we have a double problem. The same thing is the other way around. Then you have a shulun bias problem, not getting along. And instead of isolating it in the bedroom or by the therapist or wherever you want to deal with it, we start mixing all the kids and we start mixing them up and we start making the whole house unsettled because we're not getting along. If you could compartmentalize your issues and either at least save the chinuch or the shulun bias for the meantime while you deal with the other one, it's much better. In this case, interestingly, I see both. I don't know which is really bothering you more. Uh, if it's a chinuch issue that you want your kids to have a healthy role models, that's wonderful. And you want them to get the love and everything you want, and maybe you could give them on your own or not. But don't turn that into a shulun bias issue. Remember, it's a chinuch issue, it should be dealt with, but don't put it between you and your husband. And the same thing is the other way around. If you're getting frustrated by your husband, or resentful toward your husband for not taking you seriously, or for not doing what you asked him to do so many times, make sure you're not turning that into a chinuch issue. If you talk to him negatively about it in front of your child, or your child even knows that mommy can't handle Tati's phone and mommy is upset, and you're mixing up a kid and you're affecting him and how he's becoming in his chanach, watching how his mother and father are getting along. So I think in this case, it's very important to mention both. And I wish yourself with the right amount of understanding, sensitivity, um, respect, communication, attitude. We can take care of a lot of these kind of challenges, overcome them, and I wish yourself live together.